you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48. I want to talk to you today about victory. Everyone say victory. You know, you and I have been called as believers to be victorious. Come on, who believes that tonight? In Revelation, the Spirit says to the churches, talks about a whole bunch of things, but one of the things that is consistent, it says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Jesus Christ has been victorious for us. And I would say this to you today, as a believer, there's an expectation from God that you and I live in that victory on a daily basis. So I want to talk to you today about living victorious. And I've titled my message today, Unconventional Victories. Because one of the things I've realised in walking this earth for 53 years is that God doesn't do the things the way the world does. God does things unconventional, not unconventional in God's standard, but unconventional in the world's standard. We serve an unconventional God. I mean, church, think about this. The basis of our faith, It's not an empty philosophy or some ancient writings, but the basis of our faith came from a very real powerful event, and that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the cross that was a symbol of shame has now become a symbol of victory and breakthrough. God does not do things the way the world does them. The reality is this, is that God does do things differently the way that God brings breakthrough, the way that God brings victory, the way that God brings freedom in our lives. And so we need to be constantly open to the moving of the Holy Spirit and the leadings of the Spirit in the way that God brings victory and the way that God brings deliverance in our lives. Now, there's a great passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48 to 50. We understand that the, uh, the conquest of David and Goliath, we understand this powerful victory. But it is unconventional. And there is a moment that he defeated this Goliath. There's just one phrase that I believe just sets the tone in the way that God brings victory into our, into our lives. So we're going to have a look at that tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48 to 50. And it says this, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. I don't like the way the Bible gives detail. And he fell face down on the ground. Verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Now watch this. Without a sword in his hand, He struck down the Philistine and killed him. I want you to notice tonight that the Bible makes the very clear distinction without a sword in his hand. Without a sword. In other words, church, God had a different path for David. God had given David different tools. God had given David different ideals. David was not the normal warrior. David was not the most conventional choice. Even his own father didn't recognise him. Even his own brothers wrote him off. And if you think about it, up to that point in time, everyone else, when it came to battle, would use a sword. Goliath used a sword. Well, it didn't help him that much. 
All the warriors of Israel were lined up for many days, hanging on to their swords, and yet they never used them. Swords is what the Israelite army trained with. Swords were ingrained in the military. You don't go to war without a sword. Are you stupid? Do you want to get killed? It was the expected thing to do. But God had a different plan for David. God raises David in a different background with a slingshot. And in that plan, it wasn't conventional. It wasn't normal. It wasn't expected. But it is the way that God does things in our lives. And it was that unconventional victory, think about it, that set David up for the rest of his life. You know, some of the greatest battles in the Bible were achieved through unconventional means, with unconventional tools and unconventional ways. There's an unconventional way that God brings victory into our lives. So I wanna give you three unconventional thoughts surrounding David and Goliath that hopefully will stir your faith tonight that God wants to work differently in your life. Number one, God wants you and I to walk in victory. And number two, God is gonna do it in a different way. And you, are you open to the way the Holy Spirit is gonna move in the way that God wants to bring breakthrough in victory? So three unconventional thoughts when you are going to victory in your life and then we're gonna pray. The first one is this, when it comes to God, the battle is over even before it has begun. The Bible says that he didn't have a sword. Church, he didn't need a sword. He had a slingshot. And sometimes I hear preachers say, you know, it was the way the slingshot and the way that God trained him in the slingshot, the way he developed the slingshot and the stones that he picked up and all the stones and the slingshots. I would say this to you tonight, David didn't even need a slingshot. David could have pulled out a piece of paper and a toothpick and done a Jason Bourne on Goliath. For all you Seinfeld fans out there, he could have killed Goliath by licking stamps. I'm moving on. He could have killed Goliath with anything. Anything that was in his hand. He could have killed Goliath with a piece of paper with a thousand paper cuts. Because he would have prevailed because God was with him. It didn't matter what was in his hand. It didn't matter the circumstance. It didn't matter the size of the giant. If God had ordained it, then David was going to defeat Goliath. Come on, you believe it, say amen. amen. You wanna see this once? You wanna see this a number of times in the Bible? Look at this in Joshua chapter six, verse one to two. I was reading about this other significant victory. And the Bible says this in verse one. It says, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. I want you to notice is that David doesn't say, God doesn't say it to Joshua after the battle. God says it to Joshua before the battle. Like it's already done and dusted. God is speaking to Joshua before anything has happened. I want you to notice that God is talking past tense. And it's, oh, if I were to be like Joshua, would have been going, God, have I missed something? Is there something that I woke up and something happened that I didn't expect? But 
God is saying to Joshua, it is a foregone conclusion. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. And there's almost this idea here that God has already done the heavy lifting for Joshua even before he has lifted the battle. You see, what often happens to you and I, when we're about to walk into the battle, we think all the, the, uh, the effort weighs on us. We think all of the responsibility weighs on us. We think all of the pressure weighs on us. Let me say this to you tonight. If God is for you, who can be against you? The Bible says that they were tightly shut up. I mean, think about it. They were closed. Nothing was open. There was no sign, no opportunity, no circumstance in their favour. There was absolutely nothing. And yet God says to Joshua, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. That phrase literally means in the Hebrew, I've declared it, I've decreed it. I've made the statement that you will be victorious. It's really interesting that when the Bible says they were tightly shut up, they were tightly shut up because of the Israelites. Sometimes your lack of opportunity tells you that you're actually being effective in the things of God. Many times in the natural, we look for opportunity. We wait for things to open up for us. But just maybe because right now you're walking through a hard road, maybe you are on the pathway to life. Maybe God is gonna bless you. Maybe God is gonna bring breakthrough. And the fact that it's hard is not a statement of defeat, but it is a statement that you are on the right path for what God is going to do in your life. The second one is this. The second unconventional thought is this. David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, he shouldn't have been there. His brothers attest to that. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28 to 29. When Eliab, David's oldest son, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You've only come down to watch the battle. David says, now what have I done? I can't even speak. Come on, if you're a parent here, who knows that your kids have often said that? I tell you what, you know, when my kids were growing up, they're all, my, my youngest is in his eight, 18 years and my, I've got a 21-year-old, 24-year-old, but I remember when they were five or six years old, we're driving to church, you know? And in the back of the car, there's often many times there'd be World War III before we arrive at church. And I have to preach and I'm gonna be the man of God and deliver the message and things like that. And here we are in the back of the car and you looked at me and you talked to me and you are breathing on me. <laughs> you looked at me. You're a mongrel. I don't like you. There's literally World War X happening in the car. I'm turning around, I'm, be quiet, we're about to get to church. The moment we arrive, we get out of the car. Hey, how you going? Praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Unconventional timing. And yet he was there in God's time. And there's this idea here that David didn't even know what was happening, but David just landed in this place. He didn't have an agenda when he woke up that morning to be a giant killer. It just happened. It was unconventional. It was surprising. It was unusual. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 105, verse 42 to 45. It says, For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He chose out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations and they fell heir to what others had 
toiled for. I love that church. David just fell heir into the promise and the purpose of God. He wasn't even looking for it. He wasn't even manipulating his life to get to that place. He just woke up that morning and said, I'm going to be obedient to my dad. And dad, what do you want me to do? And go get some food, get some bread, get some cheese, bring it to your cheesy brothers. And he just got up and grabbed those things and off he went. And there's almost this idea that he just landed in the right place at the right time. I want to say this to you today. God knows your path and God knows where you live. And no matter what the world says, no matter how many circumstances come your way, no matter when often it looks like a brick wall, can you believe in great faith that God will always make you land in the right place at the right time because of the plan and the purpose of God for your life? There's been many seasons in my life that that has happened. I remember when we first came into ministry and Pastor Mark was talking about us working at Gallipo and I was earning a really good wage and things were going really well. And they were even talking about profit sharing. I don't even remember that in those last days. And at that moment in time, Pastor Russell came to me and said, I want you to be the, 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 one of the young adults pastors at Paradise. At that time, our daughter, Alessandra, was just born. We had just signed a contract to purchase our first house. And my wage went from up here all the way to down here. I remember rocking up a church with my own chair, my own office chair. I remember, the, I remember when my boss said when I left, he said, what do you want to take? I said, can I take the office chair? Because I love the high back chair. He said, yes. And I remember rocking up at 7 a.m. in the morning when the cleaners were there at Paradise. They didn't realise the pastor started at 10. <laughs> and I rocked up at 7 o'clock. The cleaners are saying, what are you doing? I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve God. Thus became a ministry journey. And you know what? In the early days, I'll tell you what, pastors these days, some of them, they just want it all handed to them. There is nothing about trusting God in those seasons of your life. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And there's almost like this, when I look back now, it was almost like I just landed in the right place at the right time. I wasn't even looking for it. But God began to open doors. I mean, when I arrived at Faith uh, about 12 years ago now, and I think I've told the church the story of that, but I just remember the first Sunday that I was there, this old lady comes up to me and she says, she says, do you remember me? And I said, no. She goes, I was your first primary school teacher. How cool is that? It was almost like the Holy Spirit was saying, mind you, she had the same haircut as what she did 40 years ago. I didn't tell her that. I thought, man, man you haven't changed. It's like I just landed in the right place at the right time. I remember last year when we were in Romania, I think I've shared this before, we, we, God has begun to open up some doors. And I remember when we did a youth camp over there and we had a move of God and that country is a very traditional country. And I mean, we had people delivered and we just had a whole bunch of crazy stuff that happened that in the church that it was happening, some of the elders and the pastors of the church completely freaked out. And they said to us, they go, you know, this is too much for us. And I said, well, you wanted the move of God. And they said, we don't know if we can handle this. I remember jumping back on the plane and thinking that was a waste of time and that was not in the timing of God. And after all that we'd done and what happened, we went back there at the beginning of this year. And one of the churches saw what we did with the youth camp and started to take that idea right across the nation. And this year they've started their third youth camp. They've got 5,000 young people coming. And here when you think what looks like 
something that has been in the wrong place at the wrong time because you've been obedient to the things of God, you just fell heir to what God is doing in your life. The third one is this. David was the wrong man. He was the wrong man. In the eyes of King Saul, he was the wrong man. In the eyes of his father, he was the wrong man. In the eyes of his brothers, he was the wrong man. So he goes out to battle and look what they try to put on him. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38 to 39. And Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. I want the musicians to come. And David fasted on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. You know, church, the reality is this, is that David just didn't fit. He didn't fit with the clothing that was given to him. He didn't fit the mold. He didn't fit the battle. David just didn't fit. And rather than conforming, this is a great word for our generation today. Rather than conforming, he makes this powerful statement. I can't go in these because I'm just not used to them. In other words, he says, they're just going to slow me down. Here's the punchline. If we spent less time trying to fit and more time in being obedient, we'd get through life a lot quicker. We'd defeat more. We would conquer more. We'd get ahead more. I didn't fit. Growing up in an ethnic home, my parents were German. My first language that I ever learned was German. My mum, first day of primary school, dressed me up in traditional German clothes <laughs> with the leather pants. They used to take five bucks and shammy them the cars. I didn't fit. My lunchbox didn't fit. When everyone else was having Vegemite sandwiches, my mum would give me thick salami sandwiches. I like my salami thinly sliced. She would just be a salami hacker. She'd just hack that salami. Everyone knew the moment I opened up my lunchbox, salami aroma filled the whole air. There's Heinze again with his salami sandwiches. Just never felt that I fit. When I went to Bible college, I was quiet and shy and very insecure when I'd finished Bible college. I remember sitting with my Bible college lecturers and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, one day I want to be in the ministry. And they said, well, we just don't think you've got a calling for that. You know, you just don't have the personality for it. I said, oh, okay, praise God. <laughs> so I went out and got a job. Pixie photo. No, actually my first job was being a salesman, selling roof restoration, knocking on those doors. I tell you what, if you ever want to know how to handle rejection, be a door-to-door salesman. Get lost. You're an idiot. Let that happen 50 times a day. There's something that gets built within you, resilience. Bible college never fit. 
My first ministry opportunity, my parents went to the Barossa Valley to start a church and we were out there trying to get this thing going, trying to start a church. It was an absolute disaster. I didn't know what to do, so I got my guitar, stood out the front of the pub, started playing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. People walking out completely drunk. I said, God loves you, mate. Yeah, I love you too, buddy. Loves you too, buddy. never fit. <laughs> so many false starts. Two years we plugged away at that church and one person got saved. Just came out of prison. Saw my sister, put his hand up, gave his life to Jesus. I know what it's like not to fit. But I didn't fit in man's eyes, but I fitted in God's eyes. Fitted in God's eyes. David was obedient to his father Jesse. In that, he was obedient to God. Psalm 81 talks about God doing things quickly. He says, but my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would listen to me, if my, Israel would follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Listen, church, there's a speed of victory that the Bible speaks about that is listening to, not fitting in, not being at the right place at the right time, but listening and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. The word their way means a habit, a pathway. To habitually listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, the thing that I, when I read that, which I find is really telling, then we're gonna pray. Saul gives him his armour. You know what? How come Saul wasn't wearing his own armour? What a gutless king. Saul should have taken his own armour. But there's no way that Saul was gonna go out and meet Goliath. Saul wants to take the glory and David takes all the risk. But David said, I'm gonna get my armour from God. I'm gonna get my armour from the Holy Spirit. God wants to give you and I victory every day of our lives, but it's not gonna be the way that we think it's gonna operate. God will do it in His way, in His time. And many times you're not gonna fit. You are gonna feel uncomfortable. You are gonna feel out of your place. But maybe that is exactly the place where God wants to take you and God wants you to be at. So I wanna pray for you tonight. I wanna pray that tonight is a night where God begins to develop a pattern of victory in our own lives. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you tonight. Come on, what are we singing? Yeah, come on, we're gonna sing this song. I wanna pray for you people tonight. We're gonna get the pastors to come out and pray in the, in the final few minutes before we go. And we're gonna pray that tonight. Maybe tonight you feel that you've always been in the wrong place at the wrong time. We're gonna pray that tonight that you'll be in the perfect timing of the Holy Spirit. Maybe even the last two years, you felt the timings that you have planned have been all messed up. But we're gonna pray tonight, that tonight, that you are gonna walk in the timing of God, that you are gonna fall heir to what God has got for your life. Maybe tonight you just never felt that you fit. 
He's saying, Holy Spirit, I keep looking to man's approval. But tonight, I'm gonna make a decision. I'm gonna draw a line in the sand. I'm gonna look to your approval, Holy Spirit, because I want you to begin to shape my life. Come on, if you want victory in your life, if there are things in your life, you're saying, God, I need breakthrough. And I want you to come stand out here. We're gonna pray for you tonight. We're gonna believe for the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, people are coming. Here we go, come on. Thank you.